0: The school safety free period. I'm Amanda Klinger and I'm Dr. Amy Klinger and we are with the School Safety Educators School Safety Network. We are uh, typically, I know the name, Uh, we are a nonprofit organization and we provide school safety training and technical assistance and resources and support um, throughout the United States and Canada and during this time in the pandemic we are especially providing all of those resources and support and training via a healthy safe social distance. So Thanks for joining us for the live stream. And um, today we are gonna continue to talk about some more topics at that confluence of what we typically talk about, like our typical school safety concerns. And then what does that mean moving forward with the impact um, that the pandemic is having on education? If you're joining us on the live stream, you can see how our hair is getting progressively more
1: unruly as the has <laughs> gone. So well, I'm not going to needed- show my nails because that'll just be even worse. I don't know
0: if you need to draw people's attention to that. So well, it gives
1: the live stream folks something to do. See, there's a reason to sign in on the live stream. So you can look at our unruliness of our hair. That's fair. So, That's if fair. you're on the podcast, you'll just have to imagine it. <laughs> so we wanted to talk a little bit. Um, we've been talking a lot about the... Um, the change from our traditional school where we were in February to where we currently are here in April um, with, you know, online instruction and most schools um, right now struggling with, are they going to go back to school for this school year at all? And the vast majority are not. Um, And so we've really been kind of focusing on the moment. Um, And now I think it's time to maybe start turning our attention a little bit more towards uh, where we're gonna be in 2021 in that particular school year. Um, And and I think the discussion runs the gamut from, we won't be back in session in September of 20, we'll still be teaching online, all the way to, it'll be business as usual in September of 2020, um, where we'll be doing everything just like we did in September of 2019. Um, And as in the case in most things, um, pandemic related, we have no idea. And as the case in most things, maybe the answer is gonna be somewhere right there in the middle. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we wanna go today.
0: And you know, if you are just joining us, I would encourage you to maybe pause. and, And we did a webinar and where we talked about, specifically about some of these concerns. And in that webinar, we really talked about the specific framing of when we talk about what happens in the fall, or when we talk about uh, what we what happens next, we have to say it's what happens next because it's not going to be back to school. It's not going to be a return to normal. Um, and if what we're trying to do is just reconstruct everything exactly as it was, we're we're going to come up short and we're going to be disappointed. So instead. Um, instead of mourning that as a loss, we should need to see it as an opportunity. And so we talk about that uh, at length in the webinar. so that might be something to check out as well.
1: Yeah, because I think this whole conversation of, you know, we want to go back to the way school was, um and and our theme has been ongoing has been we want to get back to the way school should be. And so that's really kind of the ongoing thread that we're sort of talking about. So today, in the, short time we have together I wanted to talk a little bit about five things and I have a bonus uh, five (laughs) things that I think we typically do in school that we need to kind of think about in this through this new lens of the way things should be as opposed to the way things were Mm -hmm. or the way things have to be because of the pandemic and so I just wanna kind of run through those. And probably the one that's, I think the most broad based is this notion of, that we used to have of schools being essentially a light switch. And I'm using that analogy because we've seen that in a lot of the post um, you know post pandemic mm-hmm. discussions. Um, school is, we used to think of school as a light switch, either we had school or we didn't. So we had school and we were all in school and we all were sitting there doing our thing, or we had a snow day or whatever it was or a holiday and we didn't have school and no education Took place. So it became sort of this all or nothing proposition. And so one of the things that I think schools are going to need to do different in a global sense is to consider schools as the dimmer switch that we've heard, you know, Dr. Acton here in Ohio talk about, um, that where we go from one um, situation to another with a sliding sort of scale Mm. where we're phasing in as opposed to just saying either we have school like we used to or we don't have school whatsoever and no education takes place so that's kind of the overarching first thing that I think we need to think about Do you want to say anything about that before. Yeah, I push and on.
0: and that goes to the, that is the case for, you know, the core functions of the school, and that's also going to be the case for other things that happen. So sports and extracurriculars, and it's not either we we have, you know, a basketball season exactly like we've always had a basketball season or we don't. It might need to look different. It might it it is on that continuum of of surfaces, and that's the case for the actual normal core functions of a school, but also extra functions. And then also thinking um, for school leaders for the business of running a school or the business of running an organization. It's not either we are an organization that's functioning or we're not. There's gonna be a lot of in between.
1: And that takes us as a nice segue into number two, the thing that we need to stop doing um, is we need to stop looking at, um, and we've had the luxury of being able to say, well, um, well, let's plan for the school year. So we're going to do parent conferences on this day. We're going to do graduation on this day. We're going to have the fall musical on this day. We're going to have the basketball tournament on this day. And we plan out one year, two year, three years, four years, five years ahead, because we know school is 180 days that starts on this day and ends on this day. And we have this luxury of knowing that this is what we're going to do. Well, we don't have that luxury anymore or we shouldn't. One of the things we need to stop doing is tying ourselves into the notion that graduation has to occur on this day or it doesn't occur at all. Um, and being able to um, create or shift the culture that says we need to be more nimble. We need to be able to change and to restructure and to move things. And yeah, we know there's pushback of parents want to know what dates and we want to you know, negotiate with the union to get the calendar in place. We Mm -hmm. want to make sure we have all these things. We may not be able to do that in a post-pandemic environment where we maybe need to have flexibility and we need to have a plan A Mm -hmm. and a plan B and the ability to implement them both as opposed to locking ourselves into a certainty in a very uncertain time. Yeah.
0: And I think a a lot of what will contribute to the success of something like that is really effective communication with stakeholders. That it's not that we uh, are having multiple plans for this or nimbleness to be withholding or to jerk you around. It's if if you have to know right now a certain date for graduation in spring of 2021, then the date is it won't happen because we cannot say, with certainty that when a graduation date is going to be in spring of 2021. And and we can be tentative. We just have to, uh,
1: I think there's always been this really reticence among school administrators to change things because the parents are gonna be upset and people are gonna be upset. And Mm -hmm. well, what are we gonna do? We already said, we already announced this. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to, and I think frankly, there is a good deal of willingness on the part of other school stakeholders to understand and to go, okay, let's plan for this, but let's be prepared to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think this the the this and that mm-hmm. really is going to be crucial so mm-hmm. that we could have a fall musical that looks like this. But we could also have a fall concert that looks like that. Yeah. And so I think that's really going to be one of the things that we need to stop doing and start doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next one is really sort of related talking about that calendar situation. You know, we are. This is you the know, thing you know like to talk about.
0: I'm sorry. This is the thing you like to talk about, and then what the head of the AFT likes to ride your coattails. That that was she copied me on the uh,
1: summer catch ups. Okay. Okay. She might copy me on on this, you know, because I'm, I'm the policy forming person here. Uh, But I think that you know, if you went back in a time machine to you know 1932, you could tell what the school calendar was going to be. Starts in August, ends in May. Uh, You know, week off for Christmas, week off for Easter. And maybe we need to start rethinking that. And you know, the dirty word of like year-round school um, doesn't sound so bad anymore. Uh, you know, you couldn't have that
0: this conversation six months ago, perhaps. Well, I have um, a question. And- I have a question for you, and I, I have to profess my ignorance yes. on this. Is there a, like a body of research about the efficacy of year-round school? Um, yeah, well, there is. Yeah, clearly. I mean, we,
1: when you talk about learning gaps and, and how much lost learning takes place over a certain amount of time. And yeah, there is. But but there's always been these obstacles that currently in our current situation don't seem like that big of an obstacle like they did. Um, no, that, I guess my question now, is it
0: looks more like a molehill right now. No, my question is, is it is it an open question of whether year round schooling has benefits or is it? No, there's pretty clear evidence that there's a lot of benefits for year-round schooling, and to this point, the downfalls weren't enough to overcome it? Or is it an open question? I would say there's
1: a pretty good body of research that supports it. I don't know that it's a slam dunk and that, that, you know, and that we haven't done it just because we're being stubborn. I wouldn't say that that's the case, but there certainly is research to support that it does sustain academic achievement and that it works in many sort of situations. And so I think that, um, we need to revisit that now and look at not only what can it do for us academically, because that's where the research is, Mm -hmm. but also what can it do for us in terms of being able to offer or to maintain education or offer services or to be able to do the things we just talked about with the this or that sort of Mm -hmm. orientation or having a plan A and a plan B. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I know that I, I don't have access to students in the month of June, July and August, that really limits what i'm able to do in the remaining nine months of the year so i think we really need to revisit how do you know what kind of flexibility can we build into a calendar can we stop thinking within the traditions of when school starts and ends and start thinking about segments of schools or block you know a calendar block of the school year as opposed to a you know really specific definitive start and end so i think that's one that we definitely need to explore and i certainly understand the obstacles there but Comparatively
0: speaking, they're not what they used to be. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing with year-round school, and you talked about the thinking of school not as a switch of either we're in session or we're not, that year-round school is a little bit more conducive, perhaps, to a thing of, of blended learning where, okay, there's a, a flare-up of uh, COVID-19 or a flare-up of the flu season. Okay, we need to shuffle to a couple weeks of Yep. Uh, at home, like severely distanced instruction. And if we have the year round calendar with some of that flexibility, um, that, that I think might be conducive to, to some, some more of what we're trying to accomplish well, and, on that. And, and from, a, from a family perspective, you
1: know, if, if we, <clears throat> excuse me, as we as parents or families are saying, I'm not going to a place where I am in wall to wall people then we need to have the flexibility that people can go on vacation in February mm-hmm. and maybe this other district or this other state is going, they're having their break in the beginning of March and yeah. someone else is having a beginning. And so now we're able to, as a society, diffuse the density of folks yeah. um, by not pushing it artificially into if you have a kid you need to go on vacation during this time. Yeah.
0: Well, and I don't I, want to be too, you know, uh conspiracy theory laden, but I think we do have to acknowledge that maybe perhaps part of the uh hesitancy to transition to a year-round school, there's a lot of reasons potentially for that, but some of that is you know that it has an impact on tourism. And I think, you know, the impact on tourism has been
1: something else that has had
0: an impact on tourism. The the impact on tourism has already been felt. So if the new normal is we can't have this high a population density of people at a hotel, for example. So as a hotel owner, would you rather have people spread out throughout the year or we only have a high tourist season and then we're completely empty the rest of the time? I mean the some of it, you know, the constraints are what they're going to be. So, yeah. so I think that's clearly
1: something yeah. that schools need to stop doing. Um, the other one that I want to talk about, so now we've kind of talked globally, but now I want to talk about a couple uh, in, in terms of social distancing. You know, this whole idea of, you know, what is social distancing? And I really like, and I, and I don't know who I heard say this, talk about that they wanted to use the word physical distancing because they felt like social distancing was saying, you know, and I think from an educational perspective, maybe we should be adopting the idea of physical distance because we don't want to say that we are going to make sure our kids do not socially interact. And we're going to make sure that we don't socially interact with, you know, or or have relationships with our kids or our parents. Or So I really like the idea of physical distancing as being sort of the, the term. So, mm-hmm. but think about the implications of social distancing or physical distancing in terms of a school. So, you know, if you have, 500 kids in the cafeteria, and we've talked about that. You know, We've talked about the facility itself. We've talked about school buses. We've talked about all that. Mm -hmm. And so I think we are going to have to stop doing the things that are convenient for the adults or that are driven by the nature of the facility or that are driven by the nature of the schedule and start doing what makes sense for us to be able to diffuse that population and how can we do it in a way that is beneficial to them in more than just a public health perspective? What, it, How can we do that so that it's beneficial in terms of relationships and climate and culture and academics and all this other stuff? And we talked about that in some of our past podcasts, but I want to now do a little bit of maybe a cautionary tale of my concern of people saying, well, we can't have... Uh, you know 60 kids on the school bus so we're going to do 30 kids and make them ride the school bus for an hour and a half or we're going to um, have you know I just had a, a school administrator say to me the other day that a public health perspective is you'd have 20 kids or 15 kids in a classroom and they stay there the whole day and the teachers rotate in and out and you bring their lunch there and you don't they don't change classes well that makes sense from a public health perspective but that sounds like hell on earth from a teaching and a student perspective Mm -hmm. that I'm going to be trapped in this room with these people. So we have to be careful that we're not going to make decisions based on just one set of criteria Mm -hmm. and the heck with what
0: it means for all the others. And I think also, you know, part of that, when we talk about physical distancing, especially um, that, you know, as we transition back to what comes next for schools, that we set ourselves up for success with that. And I think we need to maybe have a really maybe uncomfortable self-assessment of are we really going to be doing that? Because, you know, if, if you've been out in public at all, um, you can sort of see the continuum of uh, how physically distanced people are. And I feel like the few times that I've been out in public, I feel like I give people really dirty looks um because they're not maintaining six feet of distance they're just not and it's and to keep in mind of how how difficult that is and the discipline that's required you know you have joked around before about touching your face the discipline that's required to do that and i I do am concerned when we transition to what comes next for school where we're back in physical buildings that we're gonna just like any initiative we're gonna start out being real serious about the six feet And then we kind of creep in, and then we creep closer. And then keep in mind how difficult that might be across different developmental ages. We can have pretty high expectations of high school kids of, really, guys, you have to stay six feet apart. How are we going to teach that? I mean, I guess kindergartners are going to learn how far six feet is, maybe sooner than they would normally, but and do we have evidence <clears throat> to support that as
1: being the best thing we can do from a public health perspective or is it just that something that we know we want to do in society in general and are we going to overlay that onto education mm-hmm. if we're going to do that we need to make sure that it makes sense to do that mm-hmm. because i don't know um to a certain extent that it's going to make a difference in some instances so mm-hmm. i think we're going to have to We're going to have to think about that, but we're going to have to be strategic in terms of of how we're how we're going to apply that. So so then we talked about so then the next one I want to talk about is uh, less. Serious, I guess, and more just observational It is the school Um, safety
0: free period. So this is the time.
1: Okay. Well, you know one of the things that I think we're gonna to have to stop doing and i and I apologize in advance for how however many people this is going to offend, and you know let us know if you are offended on at least connect <laughs> with you. I hope to offend you, and I hope that
0: you tell me about it.
1: <laughs> no, I guess what I'm saying though is we need to get past this idea. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying everyone does this, but I've seen lots and lots of teachers and we've been in lots and lots of schools. We see a lot of schools where we go through the motions of hygiene and cleanliness by going, you know, hey, boys and girls, everybody go in the bathroom, wash your hands. I don't care if you really did it and I don't care what you were doing in there, but I said to do it. And so we have this fake hand washing. So we have a lot of fake sort of hygiene kind of things that maybe we need to stop doing and really s- start to um Teach that in the sense of how we teach life skills and how Mm -hmm. we teach other health and safety things. Mm -hmm. We teach kids, you know, not to play with matches. Maybe we need to teach kids the dangers of fake hand washing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we need to teach kids how to be responsible for their own hygiene and their own, um, you know, their own areas, even. You know, just this whole idea that the classroom at the end of the day is like this train wreck, both you know, in terms of stuff everywhere and also germs and all the other things, and then kindly custodian Bob is going to come in and somehow make it right, maybe we need to be shifting that to where kids are responsible or or are empowered to take care of their, their own personal hygiene and their own personal interactions, but also their own personal spaces as mm-hmm. well. Because um, we can't say that we're gonna go eight hours without wiping down a surface. Um, so I think some of those things seem a little bit contrived, but I think they're important conversations that we're going to have to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And as we've got, you know, a whole group of kids who have been sitting at home watching their mom frantically clean the counter 25 times a day, I mean, certainly, at, at me being one of them too, um, certainly that's not so far out of the realm of their experience. And if there's ever a time that they are understanding the implications of that or understanding why that that is happening... Plus, it's probably good for STEM, you know, biology, microbiology, you know, all the science aspect of it. Well, it is a virus. So, well, that's what I'm, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's sort of a, there's a, there's a tie in there. We can activate their prior knowledge from being quarantined at home. But I do think that those are conversations we need to have, even to the the point of, you know, sports, you want to have sports, then you're going to have to make sure that kids shower afterwards. Um, Or, you know, there's some things that we have kind of looked the other way and said, Well, these aren't really, you know, anything I'm going to get super into that maybe we're going to have to Mm -hmm. that we're going to have to take some ownership of some of those things and change that. So then the final one, uh, I told you there was an extra one, Um, I really wanted to talk a little bit about even to this small things like the attendance line, you know, we have an attendance line, you call you say, Bobby's not coming in today, he's sick, and then we go, okay, great, and whatever. Maybe we need to pivot again to that from a public health perspective of what's wrong with Bobby? <laughs> do we take his temperature? Do we do we talk to some, maybe it's as simple as we don't have a answering machine, we actually have a person that actually talks to them mm-hmm. to gather a little bit of information. Is mm-hmm. the family ill? Is there some, a quarantine situation? Do we need to check a temperature when we come back? And, and take a little bit more of an active role in that screening as the, the people come back in. And I think that's one, uh, you know, so much of this is geared around what well, we're trying to do this with COVID. And I've heard lots of really interesting discussion about how about if we also are going to decrease the fatalities for flu. And mm-hmm. we're also going to decrease the absenteeism for all these other viruses and illnesses that we're spreading around. Mm-hmm. So it, this is about COVID, but it's not just about COVID. Yeah. So I think that's really um, something that we need to think about. And, and I understand some schools have lots of medical and, and nursing support and mm-hmm. other schools don't. But still, I think there's things that we can do um, to, to capitalize on people's interest and willingness to, to work on this particular situation and have that become part of our culture in schools of what we do.
0: Well, great. So there you have it. Um, those of you who are joining us live on the live stream, we like to, to wave. Um, if you are joining us on a podcast um, and you want to send this to a colleague, um, you can listen to this podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts um, and any of the resources of the webinar or any of the uh, online plc all of the other things that we sort of mentioned and we do have a lot of online free and low-cost resources those are all available on our website which is www.eschoolsafety.org and you can find other episodes of this podcast you can find other episodes of the li- live stream anything anything and everything that you're looking for it's anything. there. <laughs> we don't have face masks we don't sell stuff like that but pretty much anything else um, we have available on the website so, as always, thanks for joining us. And if you have questions or if you were really offended by the fake hand washing, you can always <laughs> reach out to us on social media or shoot us an email info at eschoolsafety.org. And uh, we love to hear from you. And until next time, thanks.